Thank you for listening to the show. I hope it inspires you and expands your view of what's possible in your journey of wealth creation. My hope is that through a repeated exposure to the ideas and the guests you will find here, your view of finance will change for the better. With that said, there's an important caveat that must be stated. The opinions you will hear on this show are just that, opinions. Please don't misconstrue any of what you're about to hear as legitimate financial advice. Do your own research and don't take anything at face value. Understand that everything you hear on this show is someone else's experience that may or may not work for you. I don't know you, I don't know your situation, so I can't tell you what to do. But I can tell you that the one goal of this podcast is to make you richer, wealthier, and ultimately more fulfilled as a human. I'm glad you're here. Please rate it, review it, share it with the people in your world that matter. And without further ado, enjoy the show. Okay, so is it Adrian? Is that how you pronounce the name? Yes. All right, everyone. I have Adrian, queen of Bitcoin, all things Web 3.0. And um, I have to ask you a question. Yeah. In 2009, when you were offered 2,500 Bitcoin to do a one-hour consulting, you lost it? I lost it. Well, first off, well, okay, you have to understand the context. It was 2009, and they said, would you take Bitcoin? I said, what's Bitcoin? And I always like to be on the bleeding edge. So I'm like, sure, whatever. It's an hour of my time, whatever, right? And then uh, I promptly forgot about it. And then I was trying to get my kid into mining because he liked to hack things. And he was like, oh, no, I don't like this thing. And so we didn't. Of course. And then uh, in 2012, the computer that I used to receive the Bitcoin, keep in mind, this is pre-wallet days. This is literally in a terminal window. I gave that computer to a nonprofit to teach kids how to video edit in Final Cut. And then I have since not been able to find them. So I wrote it down on a piece of paper, but I don't know where the paper went in 2009. So yes. So like many OGs, uh, my Bitcoin, my early Bitcoin has been lost to the void. Uh, At least it wasn't like my former CTO who his security protocol when he changes computers is to take everything off of the old computer, move it to the new computer. When he's done, he takes the hard drive out, goes out into the desert and blows it up. Uh, That would have paid off his loans and everything else. You know, there's just so, so many things. I'm a member of a little secret society group that tracks down and takes it all the way to the fiat to track down the bad boys and then turns them into law enforcement. That's super fun. So the good thing about Bitcoin is uh, it it is not anonymous necessarily. You have to fiat off ramp somewhere unless you get really clever, send it through a mixer wallet, then put it in Monero, then put it back in Bitcoin, send it through another mixer wallet, then it makes it a little harder, but it's still not impossible. <laughs> yeah, so everything, you're just saying stuff that I'm like still trying to figure out what words mean. I'm like, we... <laughs> restarting tell me so we have a lot of people listen to this show in all different types of categories real estate estate planning insurance trust ownership structures and obviously crypto yep maybe you would be the best person to describe this because you're an expert what's the difference between the blockchain and bitcoin for all of our real estate pros who don't understand what crypto is explain that for them real quick absolutely a blockchain is an with a ledger of what actually happened bitcoin is a protocol on the Bitcoin blockchain. So it is a token that you can readily exchange. It is immutable. It has never been hacked. It is scarce. There are only 21 million minus the 4 million we OGs lost. So there's really only 17 million. They haven't all been minted yet. So it is it is considered the granddaddy of store of value. A blockchain, there are many of which there are, 
uh, especially for real estate people, look at Wyoming. They're putting land title on blockchain. Look at Nevada. We're putting marriage licenses on blockchain. Blockchain has many, many use cases that do not have to do with money. It has to do with certificate of ownership. And here's one more thing about blockchain. Blockchain is an immutable. It is a ledger of what happened. What is put on the blockchain is not necessarily true or legal. Hence, when we put up a website for a new NFT project and within hours on OpenSea, there was a fake project with all the photos from our website and we hadn't even minted yet. So putting something on the blockchain does not mean it's true. It does mean that the evidence is there verifiably forever that you did it. Gotcha. Okay, so question. Are you concerned with security in the realm of quantum computing if China comes out with their computer and we can't catch up? Like, would it, That would technically be able to hack the blockchain really quickly, correct? Yes, yes. And there's already a website that has every public and private key known to man for Bitcoin, but there are so many of them that, you know, finding one that's a whale wallet, you know, you could do whale watch on find the wallets. You can't search for a wallet and get the private key. So quantum, yes. Um, I'm hoping I get there first so that I can unlock my wallet for 2009. Cash out go. before it goes wide. So if you, if you put your stuff on like a hard, like an offline cold storage wallet, can they still hack in with the uh, security key? Is, or do you have to be connected to the internet? Okay. This is, this is the core concept with blockchain. And this is what everybody gets upset about because they don't understand. They think that the front-facing thing they're using is their, their tokens. It's not. It is literally a WYSIWYG user interface to the blockchain. Your tokens exist on the blockchain, which means wherever you import that seed phrase, they will show up because that is the seed phrase to the blockchain itself. So it's, it's inevitable. You would get it. If you have the keys, you can get it. So let me put it this way. You know how when they go through and you have to sign a down? We're hopeless. We should just stop. No, no, no. You know how you go through the airport and you go through customs and it says, do you have more than $10,000 on you? No, I don't. I have a little scrap paper that has 24 words on it and I have a brand new unwrapped Trezor. That is not $10,000 until I put those two things together. Then it is. Okay, gotcha. Okay, so we're we're not going to lose all of our Bitcoin. We're not lo- listen. We're not going to lose our Bitcoin. There are many projects already working on quantum proofing. I'm working on a digital identity project that will also like double lock everything so that it you can't move it without that. So that's another another wallet thing that's coming in the future before we get to quantum. We'll be fine. Is that connected with smart dates or is that a totally different project? It actually started with smart dates because that went with the whole thing about proof of personal stake and how do we end the Me Too epidemic? Well, we need to know that people are the real person. We want safety, security, and certainty to say yes, even to dinner. So how do we do that? Somebody has to verify their liveness and likeness. That gets rid of all of the the honey pots and the phishing and all that other stuff. This is a real person and their friends and family have staked them with real money so they're not going to misbehave because a man wants to know that the picture that he's looking at represents her and she's not fat. And the woman wants to know she's not going to be murdered and thrown into a trunk. So, you know, how do you solve that? So that's what we've been solving. And you're using that technology. Yes. 
port it into the crypto world. Yes. And then it also works because it ports into everything. You know, you have, we have a lot of controversy right now about people saying things and they're very unleashed online. And yet when they're confronted in person, they're like, oh, you know, like, no, I would never say that. Well, aren't you that yet? Yeah, uh, so basically owning your words, you know, that solves that problem. So part of it is going to be plugged into every WordPress site and every social media site. And it was actually something that I designed in 2008 for Yelp before the blockchain. Uh, but it was literally this whole concept of owning your words because uh, I'm friends with one of their outside counsel. And, you know, she said they have this obligation to defend people's rights to anonymous free speech. And I said, okay, that's right. But most of this is actually defamatory. So they do need to be able to be sued. So how could you protect their identity when they need to be served? So this solves that because basically to get the blue check, you would have to agree to the terms of service, which means you own your words. And if you say something that somebody wants to sue you over, then they can. In the future, especially when we talk about the metaverse, anonymity is like a big thing, which what you're talking about is the opposite. It's, it's kind of... No, no, I'm not. What I'm saying is when you have this smart ID, then you can actually go into any environment you want anonymously as whatever avatar you want. And you maintain your verification status and your ranking unless you do something wrong. And there's a, there's a protocol in between it where the community has to agree that it was wrong in order to out you and dox you. But yeah, it actually solves that whole problem that this is literally a real human being with a real reputation at risk with, you know, being staked that they are a good person or whatever they're being staked on. So you can trust their words. One of the things that we're going to put this in um, is also news media, right? So journalists, there's this whole controversy right now because you got to think back to, I mean, come on, I miss Andy Rooney. I really, really miss Andy Rooney. Talk about the king of humor truth bombs that didn't offend anyone that literally just said, I don't know if y'all recognize this, but this is what's going on. And maybe, you know, you might want to change your perspective a little bit because this is actually what's going on. We're not doing that anymore. They changed the rules in uh, the Reagan era so that media outlets were beholden to their shareholders, not to the public interest. So they no longer had to present both sides in a neutral fashion, which is the news that was boring before that. And then if you have ever watched the movie, The Loudest Voice. I haven't. It's awesome. It's about how Fox News was born. But even though Fox invented it, everybody does it. And that they're like, no, no, Fox, Fox. I'm like, y'all have the same game book right now. You're all playing by the same game book. Yeah. The, one of the, the key pieces that blockchain can solve is, you know, truth and transparency. And one of the things I tell every journalist, I go, look, before you go asking a question about a document that you found on someone's website, please use AR Weave and archive that page on the blockchain. So that when they inevitably take that down, you can go, they took it down and scrubbed the website, but here's the backup copy. That would solve a lot of problems. What do you think Rooney would do today if he were on air? I have an apoplexy. He would literally be putting both sides of the aisle over his knee and spanking them. I wish <laughs> that we could go back, but I don't, I think the genie's out of the bottle and I People have weaponized it to such a degree that people like Rooney, they would be vilified on both sides. They are. I mean, look, Dan Rather retired. All the big boys retired. They're like, yeah, I'm not playing your game anymore. 
This is, this is not journalism. Where does it lead? Like, where do we end up? You're smarter than I am, so you've seen further into the future. So take us there. So what we have to do is, is we have to decide what is the civilization we want in the future, and we have to start building that. So it's very easy to get triggered and get sucked in. I mean, every time you know one of the big Fed agencies posts something factually wrong that is literally manipulating data... I go a little bit apeshit because I used to be a data, I am a data scientist, what can I say? But I used to work at Fair Isaac crunching numbers, 5,000 data points to create your credit score. So when you look at that and it says, all you have is these five things that you have to do. No, mm -mm, that's not true. It's 5,000 data points. What I'm helping most with is one of the reasons why we have not moved more into this truth and transparency segment of civilization's evolution is there are too few blockchain developers. Just like I, I was doing with smart dates with ending the Me Too epidemic because I am a solution-oriented person, uh, whining for a microsecond and then let's focus on solutions and how do we solve this rather than just finger pointing and saying, well, they have to stop doing this. It's like, okay, well, how, how do we do that? <laughs> so the same thing that we're doing uh, with that, we're actually launching Foxies which is an NFT generative project that will lead into the metaverse. And every time you breed one, kick off a scholarship for a woman or a girl in blockchain education or entrepreneurship, because we are short blockchain developers. We can't actually architect the future without the architects. I love that. I want to circle back to that and talk to you like big time about your vision on that so that we can partner up on that. I have a question for you on centralization. Oh, great. Have at it, baby. <laughs> Are you a fan of like BlockFi and Celsius? And what they're doing is they're taking a Web 2 approach to Web 3. Or there's like old mixed with new. What is your opinion on it? And then after that, I want to talk to you about Solana because people have the same complaints to an extent about Solana. So just take me there. Okay. I love Celsius. Why? Easy. They're paying like 8%, which is totally reasonable, rational, and 16 times what the bank is going to give you. I know the founders. I know the team. It is a very reputable outlet. It's a very reputable platform for people to onboard. It's very easy to onboard. So the requirement to merge Web 2 and Web 3, the crypto ethos is personal responsibility and self-reliance, your keys, your money, right? People don't hack blockchains. They might hack a smart contract with an exploit, but 99% of the time they're hacking the human. Why? Because the humans have not understood yet personal responsibility and self-reliance. They don't understand that whole safety protocol. I mean, I literally had to make a guide to literally show people how to properly save their keys so they don't lose their keys. And that was actually spurred on by me losing my MetaMask login for small dates for two days. Nice. Okay, so centralization. There is, at this moment in our transition to fully Web3, there is going to be moments of centralization. There are going to be you know, narrow points where they don't have enough nodes to make it fully decentralized. You know, If you look at Solana, there was, um, it was a meme. So it was something like, and these numbers are all wrong, it was something like, Ethereum had like 17,000 nodes, but it only did like 120 transactions a second. And Solana does 65,000 transactions a second, but it has much fewer nodes. And the transaction cost is like fractions of a penny versus $100. So you have massive decentralization 
which means you have all of these miners. And with all of these miners, you have competition. They have to make a pretty penny. They have to be able to pay for the electricity and the equipment and the staffing to run their mining operations, right? So the more decentralization you have, the more competition you have, the higher the gas prices. So fewer nodes, but you still want them decentralized. You don't want 90% of them in China, for sure. <laughs> you know, you, do, you want to make sure that they are diversified around the world and especially in countries that are politically crypto friendly and aren't going to shut off a particular port to cut off crypto. So it's a balance. I think there is no total right recipe. It's like saying what's better, Chinese food, Italian food, or burgers. It's a different flavor for what the situation requires. For any project that is super high transaction volume, Solana looks to be one of the better solutions. It's new. I have not played with it as much. I am a Polygon fanatic. I love Polygon. All of my Solidity contracts that I've built over, you know, since I started writing in 2015, or 2016, eh, 2015, 2016, around in there, started toying with Solidity. And then uh, in 2017, started doing ERC-721s. But for green energy and luxury goods certification and ICOs and you know token sales and things like that, but all of those contracts that I'd written before work perfectly on Polygon. They also work on Binance because those are all Ethereum virtual machines, right? So they're all the same flavor, the same programming language. And it works beautifully, except Polygon, we ground to a screeching halt when Sunflower Farms launched their play-to-earn game and 350,000 people started pounding transaction volume all at once. And it was like the PTSD came right back from CryptoKitties in 2017. And I was like, no. <sighs> Did you? Do you have CryptoKitties still? I never got to buy one because of this. I'm so sorry. I know. And now they're like, you know, ridiculously expensive, which is why I'm doing Foxies and I'm doing it in a manner where hopefully we will not be another Sunflower Farms or CryptoKitties on the Polygon network. Um, But we are launching a breeding engine and and we are launching play to earn games and we are launching Foxies University in the metaverse. Okay, so Foxies is I'm on the website now. I don't have any Polygon. So how do I get one of these? Okay, super easy. Do you have Ethereum? Yes. Do you have MetaMask? Yes. Fabulous. You go to Umbria, U-M-B-R-I-A dot network, and there is a bridge. The reason you want to use Umbria and not just the internal swap on MetaMask is you will pay $100 to swap from Ethereum to Polygon. If you go to Umbria, the way that they have it set up is they have liquidity pools on both sides. So you're literally paying that tiny little transfer Ethereum to a different wallet fee, which is like five to eight bucks. And then on the Polygon side, it's like five cents. So it saves you a massive amount of fees. And that is the key right there. So Umbria, that bridge is the lifesaver. And then you'd literally just put the ETH in your MetaMask, go to Umbria, and it just moves it to the Polygon network. And they also have a little button you can push that will automatically set up the Polygon RPC network, the blockchain, in your MetaMask so you don't even have to type. All right. So I'm signing up for this right now. I have another question for you. I want to buy a bunch, by the way. So every, every one that we buy, you buy us. Tell me about the thing you're doing with ladies education. 
Okay, so the initial mint is 10,000 generative art pieces. For those of you listening in and want to follow along, it's foxies.art, A-R-T, F-O-X-I-E-S dot A-R-T. So you sign up for the whitelist, and that's super easy. You just need a MetaMask Ethereum wallet address. Don't put your street address in there. A lot of people have been registering with their street address instead of their ETH wallet address. Don't do that because I can't whitelist you with your street address. So we are minting 10,000 of these, and then uh, we launch into a trading card game where you're collecting all of the same color in every tail or all of the same tail in every color. And that gets you a bonus drop of a four foxy. The difference being that when the breeding engine opens, regular foxies will breed. You put two in, you get one out. Four foxies are like the ancestors. They have access to every gene mutation, every accessory, every everything, and they produce litters, not just one. And so every time you breed a foxy, it kicks off a scholarship for a woman or a girl to study blockchain development or entrepreneurship. And as part of the entrepreneurship program, then we also have an incubator, an accelerator, and a grants program for female founders. Amazing. Let's do it because I've been working, uh, this is Crypto Vixens. Crypto Vixens is our nonprofit to inspire women and to women to join founding teams as co-founders or uh, advisors, regardless of technical expertise. And this was kind of born from trying to get this woman to join this blockchain project. It was in healthcare. She's got 30 years, senior vice president, loads of connections, super credible. And she's like, yeah, but I don't know blockchain. I'm like, it's a healthcare company. She goes, but I don't, I don't understand this whole technology. And is it Bitcoin? I'm like, it's a healthcare company. And I just, it just, I'm like, girl, you don't, you don't know how email works and you use it every day. It's a healthcare company. This is what I want people to start understanding. This is why most of the projects that I work on have some kind of mainstream consumer adoption part to it, where we can literally drag people in. Yeah. Because people, I think we're at risk of people seeing all of this technology as a financial product only rather than them seeing that this is actually infrastructure that's going to rebuild how pretty much everything works. Do you get frustrated with that problem? Like probably the main questions you get are like, how are you yield farming? Or like, are you staking? And this is like, but they don't ever get to the level of like how technology is going to be built on this new invention. Well, it's not just that. Also, there are so many illegal financial products out there. I don't talk about that at all. I only talk about utility. I only talk about you know, how to do things, how to use the blockchain to execute an idea that you have that makes it more useful, faster, cheaper, international. And I'm working on a lot of cross-chain solutions. Like I work with musicians, right? You have a lot of, a, a lot of my friends, platinum selling, Grammy winning artists have huge followings on social media, right? But that social media platform could decide that they didn't like the color pink, they dyed their hair and delete their account. It's that arbitrary sometimes. And so the key piece that you want to remember is you need to own your audience. So I'm, I'm literally using NFTs to pull their entire audience into their immediate circle where they have ownership of their audience. Their audience has ownership of assets in, of them and access to them, but they have ownership and the ability to reach out and direct connect to every single one of those people. So they could geofence Dallas plus 50 miles or hundred miles. They have a concert and literally give their audience, the people who are in their community, 
the ability to buy tickets even before American Express black card holders. Now that is a humongous benefit that none of them have done. They all just got on Spotify and Instagram and Twitter and, you know, and, and their whole audience is there, but I'm like, well, what happens if you lose that social account? Where's your audience? How are you going to reach them? So that's why collecting emails, collecting SMS numbers, you know, dropping wallet passes, like there's a lot of things that you can do with an NFT that help gate your content keep it safe, make sure only your members get it, but also give you that other backwards compatibility other way where you can reach out to them. Okay. I have a non-crypto related question if I can ask you. Of course. You can ask me anything. How do you manage so many projects that are in so many different places at the same time? I'm older than I look and I have a hell of a lot of experience. (laughs) Well, like, okay, let me put some, let me put some stuff around that. Like I can, I can flat out carry a dozen businesses at the same time. But I I have this thing I'm assuming you have as well, where it's just like the split bandwidth makes me less effective per unit of attention. And you just seem to be pushing everything forward at the exact same time. Do you ever run out of energy or do you just like drink a lot of tea and stuff? No, coffee, coffee. Okay, so you're just flooding your adrenals with, with caffeine and stimulus. Well... I do do the supplements. I do take breaks. Um, I have mandatory electronic deprivation vacations. I do take supplements as much as I hate taking pills. I do take my Road Warrior Health Kit now all the time, not just when I'm on the road. So, you know, I've got all my vitamins and all that other stuff. Honestly, what I do is um, I'm an architect, which means 99% of the time, I'm not the one executing. So it's a phone call. And I say my magic is that I collect, well, I collect dots. And over the years, I've collected many dots, but it's my ability to connect them that makes me magic. So that I'm a muse, right? So a lot of these projects that I work on, I am on my own projects on Foxy. I'm the one coding. I'm the one doing the generative art. I'm the one building out all the backgrounds and the frames and the, you know, the metadata and everything else. But most of the time I'm talking and introducing people and connecting the dots. And they're like, we want to do this. And I go, great, this is the technology, meet the CEO. Because I speak all over the world. I mean, for three years, I traveled the world doing conferences and teaching hedge funds and family offices, due diligence and compliance. So the number one uh, thing that I do for a lot of projects is tell them, no, (laughs) you can't do it that way. That's illegal. And I don't look good in orange. So how about this way, right? Like Billionaire Zombies Club, just as an example, you know, so we're at $20 million valuation on the project, a $20 billion uh, market cap. And everybody's like, when are we going to do liquidity pools? When are we going to do staking? And I'm like, only after the game comes out. And I literally just confirmed it with Alexandra Damsker, who's like the top crypto SEC attorney in the world. Brilliant. And yes, that is, that is absolutely a security. You can't like, just because they haven't gone after everybody yet, doesn't mean they won't and retroactively. So I am like super clear about staying in the legal lane always. So people come to me with ideas and I'm like, ah, you can't do that. Have you ever heard of the Colby index? Yes. Okay. Have you taken the index? Yes, I have. What are you? I could tell you what I am. <laughs> okay. And I can look it up. I'm, I'm curious as to your personality. Like, do you just, do you enjoy researching? Like when you get alone by yourself? Do you love to read and like play around and tinker? You don't understand. I read tax and trust law for fun. Okay. Yeah. I, I was a certified asset protection specialist in 2005. So very, very early. I literally design 
structures to mitigate litigation and risk, protect actual IP, and tax leverage, like optimize how everything is divided. You're, you're probably a fact finder. I love fact finding. You, you put me on a research project. It's like, I need a blockchain that will connect this and this. And it's like, well, there's no such thing, but there is a protocol that will actually allow you to gamify and build. So you can build your game and whatever NFT they have on whatever chain they have will verify port it in. And there's another protocol that actually has an API where you can build your 3D metaverse avatar and then port it into over 700 different metaverses. Did you know there were 700 different metaverses? No. I didn't. But there are. It's like the metaverse and the multiverse coming and colliding. Yes. And what I think is going to be different is it's going to be more like you got to think about the the metaverse. Think about portals, right? Think about a portal as an airplane. We all wish we had a Star Trek transporter. That is literally how we're going to connect everything. It's not going to be you walk from here to here. It's going to be you walk to this portal and go here. It's going to be like an internet browser for the metaverse. You're going to say, I want to go here and boom, you're going to go there as your avatar or whatever avatar you want. That is really the solution that I think is going to come forth as the way to do it because Every block, I mean, if you look at Roblox, it's like Minecraft, right? And then you look at Decentraland and it can be a little bit better, but then you got Crypto Voxels, which is also very boxy, but it does have some smooth stuff, but it's still a little boxy thingy, but my dress is $1,500 and I don't want to pay $1,500 for a dress. I want to have one skin that I can wear everywhere with maybe a closet full of outfits. Okay. I have another question for you. (laughs) You're going to have to, you're going to have to end this podcast whenever you have to go to the next one because I won't end it. I have time for you. Oh, my Colby is 6383. Okay, let's see. Cole, let's look this up real fast. Let's not be too hasty. Did you just take the test or what? No, I took it last year. Oh, you just, okay, looked it up. Okay, I'm going to look that up in a second. Or maybe Gabe's going to look it up. I have a question for you. Zuckerberg seems to be fixated on bringing the metaverse into real life. It's like the the goggles and all of the stuff. Whereas like, I would imagine as an OG, you're more like the the metaverse is a realm that we will go to. Okay, so we're on the same page there. Okay, so let me let me put it this way. There's a meme going around that's absolutely hilarious that describes this exact thing, right? It's the what you think the metaverse is, what it actually is, and it's literally sitting in a cardboard box with an Oculus on, like a homeless person with an Oculus on, right? But in the metaverse, they're like Fat, like pit bull, right? Surrounded by models. Okay, so here's a here's a project that I'm developing uh, for Reno. They haven't paid for it yet, so I'm not going to finish it, and I'm not going to tell you all the secret sauce. But we do very large conventions, like multiple times a year. So we have hundreds of thousands of people come. How do we drive tourists to certain spots in and around Reno? Right. So that's called augmented reality and. POAPs, proof of attendance protocol. So as they're going through, um, we have a ton of street art. We have a, a a whole event called Art Walk that gets everybody to walk around and visit the street art. Well, when you scan the street art, you can actually have an augmented reality experience through your phone, not needing any goggles, through your phone, and then a scavenger hunt where you're finding through this augmented reality and you're picking up items just like you would in a game, except it's in real life right? It's the coolest thing ever. And I'm like, I love this. And it was inspired uh, at ETH Denver 2020. 
when I saw an artist and I scanned with just my camera, right? And it literally opened up this augmented reality experience where like there was this one piece of art that was a dollar, but it had like a different character in the middle and the character spun around and the eyes opened up and it was just like the coolest thing you've ever seen. So augmented reality is going to be huge. If you look at Google Glasses, Google Glasses did not go over very well. Imagine if my glasses had a little heads up display where I could just touch the button to go into the augmented reality visualization and it could show me all of the augmented reality stuff. So we did this in an event in 2019, no, 2018. So this technology has been around for a really long time. That's what, just because people in the mainstream audience don't know, it doesn't mean we haven't been doing it. Like we did this in 2018, literally at a convention, having people go around and scanning and trying to find the treasure chest to claim the tokens. And that got them all around the expo. The other thing we can use is um, push notifications through wallet passes with NFTs as tickets. Like we've been doing that since 2017. There's a lot of stuff that we've been doing that just isn't mainstream yet. And then Mark Cuban uses NFTs for tickets to the Mavericks. I'm like, hi, we did tickets for my launch party at South by South in 2017 as NFTs. I've been, we did that already a while ago. You're just not Mark Cuban. That's uh, I'm not Mark um, Cuban, but Mark Cuban should know who I am. Well, maybe (laughs) I feel like you guys will have a connection here pretty soon. So with that, I want to keep you on the NFT thing now, because now you've taken us out of Zuckerberg world into the NFT world. You have more to say about Zuckerberg. Okay, okay, okay. Go for it. And then we'll go to NFTs after that. Metaverse. Facebook is in trouble all the time over privacy concerns. Yes. And people are starting to distrust because of the cancel culture, because of the automated things, because their fact checkers are actually opinion checkers which means they're biased opinion checkers. And it's like, this is out of context. I'm like, actually, it's not. It's not out of context because it's literally numbers, data. This data was reported. That's all it says. It's taken out of context. It might make people upset. I'm like, because the truth might make people upset. It's not out of context. It's just not in your narrative. This is a problem on Facebook. Now, if you look at, go Google uh, Facebook investors controversy, the, the controversy is not that there are a many, many, many investors in Facebook. It's that basically Mark Zuckerberg controls 90% of the voting shares. That's a problem. You want to talk about centralization. There is a difference between centralization of Citibank, right? And this is why Libra failed was because Libra was going to be this global currency, except the only partners in Libra were all of the banks, all of the big banks. And the whole point, and this is why it violated the ethos of crypto, which is personal responsibility, self-reliance, and decentralization, right? The point is unstoppable, unwithable, period. If it is stoppable by a small cadre of people, it is not going to make it, not in a Web3 world, okay? And when you look at Zuckerberg's metaverse, first of all, where are the legs? Who's got legs? There's no legs. Do you know how weird that is? Yeah, it's very weird. That freaks me out. I'm like, do you not have any idea? Let's go to my closet and look at my shoe collection. I got 18 pairs of Louboutins. I want them all in the metaverse and I don't have legs in his metaverse. That is not going to work for me. I am a tiny human. I am a teeny tiny human. I wear six inch heels because I have a really tall personality. Really tall. 
And you should see my, oh, you should see my avatar. She is tall. She got my boobs and she's got my old ass. Like the ass that I had when I was a cheerleader in ballet, like that ass you could sit a glass on. Oh, oh, I'm reskinning her to be zombie mama for Billionaire Zombies Club. And then zombie mama. Zombie mama. Look at that. Look at that. So speaking of of Zuck's metaverse, I feel like he's got a similar problem. So by the way, let's, you're, you're Colby, you're an eight on the quick start. And you're a six on fact finder. So what that yeah. means is that you love to research, but you love to start new shit even more. Like you are a starter, like super fast. I am an advisor yeah. because they come with an idea and I go, whoosh, here's your, here's your architecture. This is what you need to yeah. do. Don't, don't you think though that Zuck is just like killing an old product that he knows is not going to be around because Web 3.0 is not going to stop and get permission. He's got to kill it and he's got to go into the new place. Don't you see like... That's sort of what he's doing, and he's just he. We pay now or we pay later, and I feel like he's just like we're just going to pay now, take the hit for the next four years, and be there. Yes, and he also has to wait for the seniors and the non-super techie people to die off because his platform is where they go. So they're not necessarily going to venture into the metaverse because it's like asking them to program the time on the VHS. That's never going to happen either. So. He can't abandon all those people, but, and he's also giving opportunity. Now, once he starts doing play to earn games and taking the transaction fees, uh, that's when we worry. Because <laughs> that's where the revenue bounces back. So you make up that $10 billion deficit very quickly. Oh, super. So here's the thing. So these whole play to earn games, right? You have people in third world countries who really only need a hundred bucks a month to be like living at large. And they're making 500 to 1,000 just playing a game that costs them nothing to play. You know, and we're working on a watch to earn television network. There's everything is all about earning. So it, the model has flipped. It's less about the platform paying the platform to give you the eyeballs and more about paying the eyeballs themselves directly. Do you think we'll have vaccine mandates in the metaverse? They better not. I'm medically ineligible and I'm unvaccinated and I'm not going to risk my life for something that I don't need. When I have done my road warrior kit, I had COVID in February of 2020 and I've tested negative every single week for over two years now. So I'm good and very low risk. I've discussed it with my doctor and he just looked at me and went, hell no. <laughs> Look at you. Amazing. Do you think being in the fact finder seat for a minute, are you concerned with the SEC in particular regards to nfts like how are nfts going to move into the securities exchange commission are we going to be regulated so like everything has to be this picture of a monkey and we can't actually tie anything to it that's valuable no but they uh the fact that they have not given us guidance is very problematic so you have a lot of cash grabs you have a lot of these projects launching and then they're gone and it's like okay you just raised raised 20 million dollars where did the money go to the artist Okay, so that's the excuse to the artist. Well, then you have some of these very odd projects where huge money is transacted, right? This is a million dollar NFT, million dollar NFT, million dollar NFT. And then the story just came out that it's really only like nine or 10 wallets. And it's like, is that money laundering? Pumping, yeah, they're, they're laundering and pumping it. Yeah, it, and it's just very odd, right? So the great thing about blockchain is transparency. You can see everything, you can track everything, and you should. Learning how to do due diligence in these projects is very important. Then you have other problems where you have these scams in Discord in the DMs, 
And it's like, you're on the white list. You go to the site. It looks exactly like the site. And then you go to Mint and you just take everything. Only if you put your seed phrase in, that's the biggest one that they do is it pops up the actual freaking MetaMask window and it says, import your seed phrase to continue using MetaMask. And a whale did this, lost apes, money, everything, everything. Wow. So they hack the human. You have to learn how to protect yourself and what is normal and what is not normal. But even us OGs, I, I minted. I minted. They psychologically got me. Okay. I minted because I, in the back of my head, but I was so tired and it was late at night. And I, I, we just, we were doing 20 hour days for two straight months on billionaire zombies club. We just crushed that, but it was late in the back of my mind. I'm like, spooky boys, spooky boys. Oh yeah. I heard about this, right? Not, I heard about this and it minted out two weeks ago. Just, I heard about this. So I go and I mint one for 250 bucks, right? And then the timer is like, I'm like, oh, I can still mint. I can mint up to 10. Oh, I'm 10. Huh? oh I'll mint one more. No, no, I'm going to mint four more. <laughs> Even though the initial transaction, just one, only cost me $24. I was like, gas is so low right now. I better take advantage of it. No, it was really high. And that was the transaction to just send ETH. Like they got me. So they hacked the human. And it happens to everyone. So give yourself some grace. It does happen. But set up a little protocol checklist. That's in the Foxy's Guide to Securing a Crypto that everybody gets when they whitelist at foxies.art. They get this thing so they won't do these things like I did. Learn from mistakes. Don't lose your crypto. And don't, yeah, don't lose $100 million on old keys that... 2,500 Bitcoin is what, 100 million? I don't want, I don't, I don't want it to. It's okay. No worries. Yeah. You know, the, the good thing about money is you can make $100 million easy. So don't worry about it. Like yeah, don't worry about it. Community is everywhere. I just, I think of that as I just banked that into my car. That's right. 100%. What should, what should someone who is listening to this and they think we're both crazy, but they're interested enough because everybody else is getting into it, where should they pay attention first? Okay, so the very first thing you want to do is get on Clubhouse. Some of the best rooms in crypto are on Clubhouse where you can ask very newbie questions. I have run 10-day rooms. I've run 24-hour straight rooms. There are a ton of people there that know a lot. Uh, If you are a founder and you are actually going to be launching a project, you want to stalk Alexandra Damsker. She is the attorney who worked for the SEC and the smartest attorney I've ever met. Um, but you got to find your people and where you want to onboard. You want to avoid the rooms that are, you know, pitch rooms that are selling all these different crypto projects. And especially the ones that are like DeFi, make 14,000%. Did people make 14,000% on Shiba? Yes. Yes, they did. And I'm going to give you the uh, caveat for learning and education. This is what I've said in every single one of my rooms. Your investor profile is different than everybody else's. You have to figure out what that is. Why are you investing? What are you interested in? What is your risk tolerance? To determine your risk tolerance, that's called Vegas money, especially while you're learning. So Vegas money is you have had a fabulous weekend in Vegas. You've eaten at five-star restaurants. You've danced the night away with your friends. You've just had a phenomenal time. You are on cloud nine. Your bags are packed. You've checked out. The Uber is on the way. You are walking past the craps table. How much are you willing to throw down for one more bet, win or lose, you're walking out the door because your Uber's here and you're still happy. That's your number. You know what my number is? 20 bucks. <laughs> my number is 20 bucks. And I can't even guarantee because I've never done it that 
I wouldn't be salty because I was salty when I got a thing from Caesars going, get all these extra bonus points. And I just collect points through throwing events and eating and stuff like that. I don't gamble. And I put 20 bucks into the slot machine and then I didn't get my points. And then I read in the little teeny tiny two point font that it was Atlantic City only. Mm. And I was in Vegas. I was so salty. Um, What's your username on Clubhouse? Adrian, A-D-R-Y-E-N-N. On Clubhouse, I'm verified on OpenSea. I'm verified on Twitter. I'm not verified on Instagram yet, but it's Adrian everywhere. So OpenSea, a couple projects I can recommend for you to figure things out is, and these are these are our billionaire zombies club army of fabulous people who have launched very inexpensive polygon projects um, that are super cool. Like Miles, uh, he did the Cyborg Wolves. Uh, he minted for one Matic. That was like a buck 40, buck 50 at the time. And when we found, when, you know, when we started scooping up the floor, it was like two bucks. Now I think it's like five bucks, seven bucks. And then a new one that just launched is pastel pandas dot club, pastel pandas dot club. They're minting right now and they're five Matic. So it's like seven bucks, eight bucks. Learn to use your wallet. Learn to transact, learn to trade, learn to send things, learn learn how to search for things, learn how to read rarity traits. Do it on projects that are little. Like Miles is 14 years old. He is super, super sweet. He just met Gary Vee. He's crushing it. Talk about an entrepreneur in the making. He sold his zombies to pay to have the artist do it. He managed a whole team at 14 to create this project, mint it, get it up there, mint it out in 27 hours. And then bought back into zombies and made enough money. He bought a king. So now he's a, a ruler in the Dow. Like, this kid is great. Amazing. He's dropping projects left and right. I love these people. This is this is awesome. Do you have any books yet or no? Yes. Minting the Future is in the process of being finished. Uh, it's an update from my 2017 book on ICOs. But as NFTs keep changing, everything keeps changing. And it's the same problem I had back then which is every time I send a chapter to the editor, by the time it comes back, I've got to rewrite it again. So uh, that may end up just being uh, a mini series on television. That might be faster to just let me talk it and out. And then on Twitter, uh, Adrian as well. Adrian Ashley. Adrian Blue check. Yep, yes. There we go. I am followed. All right. Anything that I didn't ask you that you're like, yo, you are dumb for not asking me this. I'm going to ask it before we end. Um, let's see. Whitelisting. If you are looking at projects, okay, there are very spammy ways to whitelist, which is, you know, you have to invite, it's like multi-level marketing. You have to invite a thousand people and then you can get on the whitelist. Now, for certain projects where it's going to be a 10 ETH project and you get to mint for 500 bucks, that might be worth it. Like an ape knockoff derivative that's an official ape knockoff. That might be worth it. Um, but for the most part, they're just trying to build their list and, and build their discord um, I'm not even using Discord for Foxies, so easy whitelists are great. Wow. What a breath of fresh air. You're not using Discord. I'm not using Discord. Why? Because it requires 18 to 24 hours a day of supervision. And as a founder, you're responsible for everything that's said there, but it's only as good as your moderators. We, thankfully, at Billionaire Zombies Club have great moderators. So that is a Discord. Uh, but you have to look at your community. This is where I think I've, I've seen a lot of, you know, recognized artists try it and fail. Their audience are fine art buyers. They are not people who are crypto centric and will even tolerate discord, let alone be able to make it through the collab land verification process that they can be there. So look at your audience. Who are your people? What are they used to? Pretty much everybody on the internet is used to name, email, you add cell phone number so you can text message them. 
And ETH wallet is going to be the biggest hurdle. So you have to have a little video on how to find your ETH address, right? For if you're going after mainstream consumers, which we are because we're educating women and girls all over the world. This is a very mainstream launch. It had to feel very mainstream. So I used very traditional internet marketing tactics because that's what works with this audience. Amazing. Thank you so much. I know you have like 19,472 interviews today, but thanks for making time for hours. <laughs> hours and hours and hours, and I would love to come back. Amazing. We'll have you back, and um, I will put all of the links in the show notes. If there's anything that comes up that you're doing that you're like, oh my goodness, this is so interesting. I want the world to know. You have to tell me. So yeah. first of all, I can get in on it, but second of all, we can let the good people know who need to come up to speed. Thank you so much. Thank you.